Hey everybody, welcome to Misenchantments. Today, we have our first guest. We're joined by my friend and colleague, Regina Hurley, who's finishing a PhD in philosophy, studying epistemology at Northwestern, and soon to start a job uh, working in New York as a professional philosopher. She is a Catholic and a theist, which is somebody who believes in God. And we brought her on today to talk a little bit about a question that's kind of maybe a little tangential, but I think ultimately related to our broad project here in Misenchantments. Um, and that question is whether God actually exists and to what degree that matters. So we get into the details about that, the arguments about, you know, uh, whether God exists or not in the interview that follows, and then meditate for a little while on what that really means um, for the concept of misenchantments, and also just for, you know, what, like, what, what do arguments about the existence of God really inform us of, if anything, at all? So without any further ado, here's that interview now. Kind of tea are you having? Ginger. Nice. Not my favorite though. Is it really spicy? It's a little too spicy. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, how's it going? Um, Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just super. Yeah. All right. How's uh, um, I have something to admit. I actually have to to admit this. Um, I broke my Lenten devotion. Um, I drank, I drank alcohol. Mm, um, when? Yeah. <laughs> when was it? Uh, it was, it was on Monday. It was very sunny out. I went on a date and it was very nice outside and we sat in the park and had a beer. So. Cool. Did the chasm of guilt just like overwhelm you in the moment? Like every sip was. It uh... didn't. It didn't. And you know what I thought? I thought Good. we're all sinners, you know? This is, this is great what a great what a great chance to practice grace um to, you know and i i messed up but it's okay um i don't need to be perfect that's why jesus did, died for me did you tell this to your date yeah no i didn't actually <laughs> i did not but that would have been i think a little heavy it was a first date so yeah probably yeah <laughs> a catholic friend of mine in college said that lent like we're beholden to our lenten promises for 40 days but lent itself is more than 40 days that's right and so well, maybe you're actually okay so no the, the reason is su the sundays don't count oh well then it was sunday it was, was, it, was it, sunday? Mon it was monday it was oh. monday yeah 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 sundays don't count because every sunday is easter <laughs> the, like the like liturgical sort of way that it works. Well, but if it carries over, you know, like you drank, you didn't drink one Sunday, then you get one Monday. That's right. how it works. That, right? That's a great, that's a very Catholic way of, of organizing it. And I do yeah. like that. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's the traditional way of thinking about it. Um, but I think it's okay. Well, thank uh, you for admitting it so we can judge you partially. Yeah. Right. That's right. Okay. Cool. So today we brought we brought Regina on to talk about um, does God real, 
Um, <laughs> so this is the, the long-awaited um, and much, much uh, dis, uh, what's it, postponed um, metaphysics episode. And the way that I the way that I see this going, and the way that I talk want to talk about this with both of you is in two parts, basically. So the first part is I I want to just go over the straightforward, like you know, we talk a lot about religion in this, and you know, like we talk a lot about like features of religion in this podcast. But you know, what are the actual like arguments? And what are, what are the views and philosophy about whether there is a god for this or religion to be oriented toward? And then the second part, I want to talk about like whether it really matters and specifically matters for our project, uh, Riley. The way that I described it is that like, uh, like in the planning document is that uh, one way of looking at like McCarraher or Taylor's view is that enchantment, the good kind, uh, is sort of grounded in some way by there actually being a God to deliver the goods of, of enchantment, right? Like you, you participate in the sacraments and you get actual goodies. <laughs> from God. And so it's bad that we're disenchanted because we're not getting those goodies. Um, but if there isn't a God at all, then what do we, you know, does, does, does the whole view kind of crumble? And that's, that's kind of the ways I want to organize it. Cool. Yeah, I think we should... Um... Never mind. I was going to say I was just listening to a podcast where they asked a very exciting question. This is not a religious podcast. Um, yeah. It's kind of a, a blasphemous question, but I think as a way of easing into this, um, yeah, we might answer the question, what would your body and blood be like in the... <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I like it. <laughs> so maybe, Regina, you could introduce yourself. You don't have to participate in this question, I guess, if you if you don't want to, but... Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, like, what would my body and blood be? Like, as in, like, what is the object of worship or something like that? Or, like, or... you know, there's the bread and the wine. Yeah. What would represent you? Oh, boy. Boy, what would what would the bread and body be? Or like the body and like for me, obviously. Or the body and the blood. I've got I got a cup of tea right here. And what do I have yeah. right here? A McVitie's digestive. Oh, oh literally. God. That's what it would thing. be. That's what it would be. Yeah, people be people be queuing up in the church, you know? Um <laughs> and, and, they'd, a... and they'd get they'd get a full a full wow. digestive. I yeah. want those those um what are those called? Those like cheddar uh, rice cakes. Everyone oh, gets one of those. I'm not going to <laughs> I, those were my childhood, and they are incredibly nostalgic for me. The cheddar uh, rice cake and the blood would be um, Seven Up. <laughs> I like I like that you you get it intinted, you know. And just, yeah, there's something about that combination that brings me back to like a kind of childhood true like spirituality or something like that like yeah. the the imminence of god is is present in both of those in a really yeah. special way for me that's great <laughs> that is I that is beautiful that. yeah i think mine would be uh grapefruit Lacroix. um <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know i'm feeling and kimchi yeah, kimchi is the food I eat the most, but I feel like that's like slimy. Like, that's like a weird. Like it's. it's I don't know, yeah, you put out your hands, and they just put like a little bit of kimchi in your hand. A wet piece a wet, of fermented yeah. cabbage. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. It's so good. <laughs> or like a piece of like Costco churro or something. Uh, that I love. <laughs> that'd be very good. Yeah. But I'm sorry, Lorenzo, you just gave this like beautiful introduction and then I was like derail. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's good. I like that. That's so that's sorry on, to return. On, no, that's on brand. I think that's good. To the docket. Um, yeah. Um, so okay, I'll, I'll we'll start by asking, like Regina, you're Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. In at least at least in in spirit. Um, certainly, yeah, certainly. Certainly in spirit. Cool. And so, and you you are a theist as well, right? So we should outline some mm-hmm. some terms, right? So famously, me Lorenzo, I am I'm an atheist or a humanist. Is what I call myself more often, so it's not to be associated with um, Richard Dawkins and the like, but. I don't believe in, in an interventionist personal God, but I do go to church like every Sunday and it's a huge part of my life. And so, you know, like that's, that's kind of my shtick. Riley, you're also famously a, a theist um, of, of some stripe um, and a devout practicing Missouri Synod Lutheran. Don't even joke. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, no, you can joke about it. Yeah. But I was oh sorry I was just gonna say I'm uh I just remember that this is this episode is my opportunity to define new atheism for people who believe in God which is a heavy that's um, right <laughs> a heavy uh task I yeah. guess yeah I didn't know that you were actually going to come around to doing that <laughs> well I forgot until just now so yes. we'll see we'll see well, no I'm excited yeah and Regina how would you, how would you describe your own what's your shtick Oh boy. Well, I unlike the sanitized you, podcast version. I yeah. <laughs> unlike you, I don't go to church. I think uh these days I probably have fallen to the kind of like Mary Oliver Catholic stripe type person. Like poetry is really important to me still. Music is really important to me still. And I've found lots of struggles and in being in the kind of like formal institutionalized church so for that reason i've like refrained from going to mass on sunday for instance although you know perhaps it's also a convenient excuse just to have (laughs) more time on sundays to do what i please (laughs) yeah find find god in the garden kind of catholic i'd say right now right that's where i'm at that's beautiful no that's great okay so and yeah, the reason that we brought you on is because one, because you are a theist, and so you're a nice like foil uh, to to my mm. you know uh, mm-hmm. your nonsense to my nonsense, yeah. But also because you're a philosopher, um, and so you know you know the args, you know, in like the technical way. And so what I want to do is talk about these different arguments mm-hmm. because like apologetics and like anti-apologetics. I don't know what you'd call it the other way around. But that's like a huge part of of this general sphere of of discussion is like, all right, what what are you talking about when we're talking about God? So I guess we could start with, so the traditional way of conceiving of God in the philosophical sense is as he's got three, he's got three things. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent, which is all powerful, all, all knowing and all good. And so this is, though not in the Bible, literally, like, it's something that you know like theologians have sort of come to understand is i guess implied or something like that riley you look you look why omnibenevolent when this is not in the bible like how did they i'm sorry if this was in a reading and i missed it but like why 
I do wonder about this. Yeah, I don't know actually the origins of like the the three omni sort of view of God, like where exactly that came from. Like um, not knowing like my church history. Do you know this, Lorenzo? Not I. Okay, I know it had already come to be part of the doctrines by the time of like the scholastics. You know, definitely. Yeah, but I feel like it probably originated a little bit before then, or at least I wonder if like the Romans came up with that bit. But yeah, wait. So Riley, wait. Like, because he's all good. Like, what? I mean, <laughs> you want him to not? No, be- I know what it means. <laughs> Mostly good, Mostly. but not all good. Like, well, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like I've been TAing as Lorenzo has before. I've been TAing for this like introductory humanities class, and the whole shtick of like the first class is like god does this <laughs> like god <laughs> in the bible god is so mean he is i don't know um so i guess just like hearing like oh yeah we all agree that he's omnibenevolent i'm like wait a second wait a second why maybe it doesn't matter i'm getting too hung up on this um i see why people think that it's like a nice thought but i don't know it just i guess i'm surprised to hear that this is how most people conceive of god i don't know i feel like even the lutherans the missouri synod are like well i was gonna say they don't think that god is benevolent but i guess they just think it's okay to be really punishing so maybe they i guess they do think that's good i think that's the view um first off really funny because i feel like you can say whatever you want about missouri synod lutheran like you should just ascribe whatever you want to their theology because yeah (laughs) like they're not gonna (laughs) totally like like 15 of them and they're all 95 years old (laughs) (laughs) so true (laughs) (laughs) what do you do about it yeah missouri synod lutherans they're crazy they think luther was actually the son of god but i think that's right i think like they think like the i don't know the destruction of sodom and gomorrah or something like that or like the flood is that's good actually like that is consistent with omnibenevolence love with love well i actually wonder about this too because like it seems as though you could you could have more than just three omnis in this case like you could have like like all justice or all just or something or like like omni justice i don't know what that would actually translate to if that's a word yeah. like holy just or is that like different from omnibenevolence holy rational rational certainly seems different from Omniscious? all the other three but that's just all knowing that's true you could know all of the facts but not exactly know not be rational not be rational about them yeah all just might be consistent with all loving but um yeah, like but maybe not like the justification for the punishment seems like it could be different in both cases or in two different cases like one the punishment is because i love you and like this mm-hmm. is ultimately going to get you to you know be a better person and like i'm doing it for the purpose of you know loving you and that's my goal or something like that but then also like it might have nothing to do with love it's just like that's what you deserve you did a bad thing so it's just right. we're just clearing the scale or whatever yeah. zeroing the scale mm-hmm. right i think the view is that it is love, though. I do think, I think. That is the view. I think that's <laughs> the accepted right? one, at least. I don't find that plausible either, but like, I think that is the. Mm. Many, many orthodoxies would probably endorse something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, I, I could, then you just you sprinkle in like a little bit of like Augustinian metaphysics, and you can say like that people distance themselves. Like God, the flood was actually bringing people back closer to god uh by killing them Mm -hmm. or something because they'd willfully distance themselves by 
doing whatever wickedness they were doing. I think it's it's a complicated. I, I I know that this is the case because I was watching this guy. He's Catholic, who's doing like debunking like liberal Christians kind of video, <laughs> and he was Sick. saying like, yeah, and he was like, liberal Christians say like we should love each other, like, and that means allowing gay people to exist. But here's what like love isn't just love as you know it. It's actually the love is informed by the Bible. Um, so he kind of did like persecution is a I, form of love yeah exactly like, that's why i beat my wife no. yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah literally i think that's i think that's it like i think that's his <laughs> so i do think that that's how you make consistent this philosophical thing but i yeah yeah i don't know if like a hardcore like if you asked a jehovah's witness where they think that their whole they do their best to try to construct a theology without any of those sort of like Roman philosophical additions um, that were added later. I don't know if they would have anything, or like if they would believe that God's om- omnipotent because it's not, or omnibenevolent because it's not in the Bible itself. That word isn't. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like the furthest one from it. Like perhaps you can extract things like omniscience and omnipotence from like the crazy I, shit that God does. You can't, but... like omnip- om- omniscience, I don't think so. Like God discovers Eve in the garden like he doesn't immediately know he's like oh he's like walking through the garden he's like wait what the fuck why are you wearing clothes now like i don't i think asking a question though that could be performative right it could be that you're like asking a question for the purposes of them revealing it to you revealing the answer to you as Mm -hmm. opposed to it just being like fill the gap in my information (laughs) or something like he's trying to (laughs) make a good story you know (laughs) Play the scene, set the scene. Right. Yeah, That's you know, true. it's like a parent being like, "Where did the last cookie go?" Like while the child right. has crumbs on their mouth or something like that. Right. Okay. Good. All right. So, yes, the, maybe this is. I mean, I think the, some lines of justification like this, I'm surely, I'm sure, is how they how they came upon these these three qualities as the three qualities. Mm-hmm. So there's, I, I guess, I kind of think of it in like this. There's this like cluster of philosopher god kind of ways of thinking about it right which i'll talk about later seems actually really quite divorced from like the practice of a religious faith but like um a lot of people see them as intimately bound up because they want this like they want the philosopher god like this omnipotent omnibenevolent omniscient um god to be real to sort of secure the reasonableness of their faith to that end like in arguing for the existence of this there's usually there's like a bunch of different kinds of lines of argumentation um, so I, I, maybe we could just talk about a couple of them, which are like, you know, there's like cosmolo- cosmological, and tele- or cosmological and ontological arguments and teleological arguments and moral arguments, I think are the most. R- Riley, had you heard of these before? No, not. <laughs> I, okay. I've like, I mean, I've heard of the arguments, but I didn't know what their, their names were. Or I remember taking like an intro philosophy class um, about the... And the ontological argument was discussed. And I remember being like, mm, yeah, all right, sure. I'll buy it. <laughs> nice. I hadn't heard of any of these arguments until very late in my like formative years <laughs> as a as a Catholic. Like I think it was in my philosophy classes that I was introduced to these ideas. And it just, you know, we can get into it later, I guess, but about the like the force or like the point of these arguments is interesting in thinking about like what is their conclusion supposed to do or like what is the point of making these arguments at all because it clearly isn't something readily espoused in like sunday schools or even 
worship of any kind. Right. Yeah, yeah that would be really that's... funny. The, the priest takes like the pulpit or whatever <laughs> and just starts delivering the ontological argument. <laughs> I'm sure that's happened, but... <laughs> All right, Sorry. we're work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Riley, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say that, yeah, I was kind of like wondering the same thing when like, reading through the several categories. I was like, okay, but like why should I care about this? Mm -hmm. um, no offense, Lorenzo, because you did assign us this, but like what, <laughs> what, I don't know. I think it's like interesting to to think about, I guess, but yeah, I am curious, like why, why this? Or maybe I am just being a hater, I'm, I'm wow. not sure. Well, by your logic, Riley, um, this is, I'm going to hoist you on your own petard. Oh, God. Um, your, your, like, bridge over troubled water shtick is a teleological argument of sorts. Sure, but why do I have to, like, categorize it? Why can't I just be, like, therefore, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, clap my hands together? Right. Why, why do I have to, like, you know, do my little, why do the Stanford Encyclopedia people have to do their little diagrams? Now maybe now would be a good time. Regina, do you want to you want to talk us through a little bit of what you're? Yeah, yeah, we could maybe just go over the arguments and then reflect on the point of them. <laughs> yes, yes, that sounds right. <laughs> Which one should we start with? I mean, there's a number of the ones that you mentioned. So there was like the first cause. The I feel like the, yeah, I feel like cosmological is the most obvious. That one. The, the cosmological one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't remember who sort of was espousing this. Leibniz made it made a made a show of this one. Aquinas I think at some did, point. Too, I think. Aquinas, yeah. Lots of people have tried this one. So the idea, right, is that um, everything has a cause. Uh, yeah. Everything that exists, every entity was caused by some prior entity or, or effect, in other words. Um, and so the idea is that, like, all of the effects that we see in the world had some prior cause. And those prior causes themselves had some prior cause to cause them. And then those prior causes had causes prior to them that caused them. And so, you know, we see this infinite regress, so to speak. And so rationally, theologians and logicians and um, people in academia generally don't like these infinite regress problems where it's sort of just causes all the way down or turtles all the way down. And so they presume or like they infer that it can't just be these things are infinitely caused by some prior thing. There had to be some initial uncaused cause is what they call it like something to have started the universe um this unmoved mover um and yeah actually this goes back even to then aristotle now that i think about it um maybe plato yeah talking about aristotle. the unmoved yeah the unmoved mover in the universe and then aquinas of course being like a neoplatonist comes along and is like i know what the unmoved mover is it's god and so the thing that is, is the ultimate explanation for why things are or why things are certainly in motion. Um, so that's sort of the first cause argument, the cosmological argument that, that everything sort of needs to bottom out in some ultimate cause. And that must be God. No, that's good. I think that's right. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure it goes back to Aristotle. I mean, a lot of the like the scholastics were just like taking the Aristotelian machinery and just mm -hmm. getting, getting hog wild with it. Um, mm -hmm. So whether or not it literally was Aristotle, it was using his like yeah his ontology of cause to make that argument. Yeah, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll talk about the uh, the ontological argument. Mm -hmm. So the ontological argument um, is kind of like it's. I mean, I think Descartes puts it like the most 
in the way that it's rendered most often now, which is like, if you, if you have a clear and distinct idea of something, right? Um, you can like imagine something with like every perfection, right? Like imagine like a circle or something with, with every, every person, it's a perfectest circle or something like this. And you can do this, you can imagine like the most perfect possible being, like agent or something like that. Basically, you can imagine God. And if this being like that you imagine must have like every, it must have every perfection possible. And one of the perfections, this is the word that he, he uses, it basically means an attribute, I think, but like a good attribute is to exist, right? Like, you know, you could imagine the best possible ice cream cone ever and the best possible ice cream cone ever would have the attribute of existing too. It wouldn't be limited to non-existence. It would also have the virtue of being an actual existing object that you could eat. Um, and so too with God, like the, you know, the best possible being that you could imagine would have the attribute of actually existing. Now, I don't remember exactly how, how does he get that it really does exist from that? So, I mean, I think the Cartesian and maybe like the Anselmian yeah. uh, version of it is to treat existence like um, an attribute. And sorry, maybe this is what you were just saying. But like, um, if existence is an attribute, then and this being being perfect, we uh, must imagine that it too has the attribute or the property of of existing simply because definitionally to be perfect would be to have all of right. the perfections. Right. And since non-existence is an imperfection, yeah. like existence is better than non-existence, um, this being being perfect necessarily must exist. So that's the the Cartesian Anselmian version of it, I think, is to treat right. existence like a perfection and yes. That's right. So. Yes, the crucial third premise here is is I'm looking at the Anselm version of it. Like thus, by definition, mm -hmm. if God exists as an idea in the mind but does not exist necessarily exist in reality, then we can imagine something that is greater than God. Um, mm -hmm. And by definition, you can't imagine something that's greater than God. So just mm -hmm. by fiat of the definition, I don't know, just by the nature of what we're defining here, mm -hmm. it has to have this property of actually existing. Yeah, I, I wish I had the premises before me. I, I feel like the Anselm version, it sounds grammatically so bizarre. It starts out with like, we can, ima we can imagine a being than which no greater can be conceived or something yes. like that, right? Yeah. And then um, a being than which no greater can be conceived um, must have, or, or, you know, the next maybe would be something like existence is like greater than non-existence. So the being than which no greater can be conceived must exist. Yes, exactly. Something, something very simple like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's just kind of like uh, if you define God hard enough, you you realize, oh wait a minute, yeah, that this must exist. I know there's like the modal version of it, so I don't want to get too technical, and I don't know yeah. if I'll be able to recreate it. But like the modal version of these ontological arguments are supposed to not treat existence as an attribute because that was Kant's whole problem. He's like, existence yeah. isn't like perfect circularity or. Um, redness hardness, yeah like yeah. like smoothness or you know there's right. not like a it's not a property among properties it's like sort of like the base for having any properties at all existence yeah. that is like somehow the modal argument's supposed to get around that by like imagining like possible worlds and like if you say a maximally great being exists in some possible world mm -hmm. then that maximally great being has to exist in all possible worlds right because it's an yeah it's like a necessary being 
Yeah. And so, so if it's necessary in one world, I think it has to be necessary in, in all. If it's possible in one worlds. world, it has to be necessary in that world. And if it's necessary in that world, it has to be necessary yeah, in, all in all worlds, which means it's actual in all in our yes, world. Right. Yeah, that was it's it's very bizarre and you know he's so good he's so that's so (laughs) I fucking love that I fucking love that I love I love that style of philosophy where you're just like brain blast and you can just see like there it is there it is (laughs) I I did it um he was so excited when he came up with that argument yeah yeah (laughs) okay and then lastly and this one you I think speak to a little bit better than me uh it's teleological arguments which includes things like intelligent design and aesthetic arguments it's like a family of arguments i mean these arguments are all they all have their opponents but i think the teleological arguments tend to be like flouted or uh uh, ushered out of the scene very quickly but i i have a fondness for them to some degree um so the very simple version of like the teleological argument is it goes something like this. Um, I'll, I'll start it just by way of analogy. So oftentimes um, people will say things like, if you look at a watch and you see the kind of intricacy of the the nature and constitution of the watch, it's like very, very um, clearly well tuned. It's well designed. Um, it, it's something that like clearly um, someone put effort into making intentionally and intelligently. Um, it would be very, very surprising to find out that this watch just like happened to exist by virtue of like random forces of nature. And so sort of like the teleological argument is one in which you're supposed to like infer from the like obvious design and fine tuning of this object that there was some intelligent creator behind it to explain its fine tuning and design. Um, And so like clearly that works for watches and whatnot. Um, and then the way this works for God is to be like, okay, we're not looking at watches. We're looking at the world. <laughs> um, and we're supposed to see the ways in which the world is is very orderly and very, um, you could say, fine-tuned, especially for our own, our own existence. And I'm not familiar with these arguments, but, like, apparently there's some sort of, like, um, statistical background uh, to suggest that, like, were the laws of physics just ever so, like, in infinitesimally, like, slightly different from how they actually are life couldn't have possibly come to exist so anyways like look around the world it's very orderly it's very um apparently fine-tuned and so this sort of fine-tuning suggests that there is some ultimate creator behind the universe in the same way that we say there is some intelligent creator behind the the watch and so it's sort of just like a, a look around. Don't you see how great the world is? There must have been someone behind this. <laughs> It'd be crazy to think it just randomly came to be. Yeah, I love these arguments. I think they're like the most um, like human. I think like they're the most like relatable or like I feel like people tend to have these arguments the most like or hold these like this has like a more personal value. I don't think people are out here like, what was the one we were just talking about? Modal like, ontological argument. <laughs> modal ontological. Like, therefore, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, that's just like not how it goes. I yeah. agree. I agree. Like, um, just having my kind of cursory understanding of these arguments, I, I find I relate most to them because it's, I mean, how often... I, I guess it's more often that I find myself like sort of relishing in like God's existence or whatever is like when I'm wandering around the woods and sort of marveling at the 
harmony or something of nature or the, you know, the beauty, which itself is generally conceived of as a kind of order of nature in the world. So. Right. Ditto. Yeah. And I think that emotional pull is part of the, I think other, other people point to that. Like, I don't remember super well, actually, almost at all, other than the vibe of like Kant's, it's not an argument for the existence of God, but there's some sort of like directedness mm-hmm. in our aesthetic appreciation that seems to suggest like a transcendence, you know, like when you're marveling at the beauty of, of, of a, like a, a mountain mm-hmm. range or something like that, it just feels like you're pulled away and pulled away toward what, like, I don't know, you know, something beyond. Um, and, and this is often, yeah, conceived of as like, yeah, or, you know, uh, it's mm-hmm. because of God. Yeah. So that's, that's that one. And I wanted yeah. to plug uh, the moral argument as described on Wikipedia, as arguing that there are objectively valid moral values, and therefore there must be an absolute from which they are derived. That's the C.S. Lewis argument. It is. That <laughs> he is loves the... that. <laughs> yes. He's just over there like, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one basically, yeah, it does just go like that. It's like, isn't it clearly apparent to you that there's moral truths? Like, what could secure these if not, if not mm-hmm. some, sort of, some sort of God that secured them? So those are the args. Those are the main categories of argument. I don't think anyone's come up with one. I mean, I guess the Wikipedia page has a couple other categories, transcendental and presuppositional. But I don't know. In general, I feel like really the, the um, like, these categories are like the main ones um, that most arg- arguments, that most apologetics occur within. Other than, I guess there's a whole other category, which we're not going to touch on here, which is like historical, biblical truth kind of stuff like showing Mm. you know you know like oh like the if we look at the dead sea scrolls with a magnifying glass in the right direction like you know (laughs) we can we can see you know the exact exact place where jesus rose from the dead or something you know like that's but never mind those yeah or like the arguments where they're like um what could possibly have explained people's fervent at, like adherence to this doctrine at the outset like the rise of the early church wouldn't be explained right. well by it just being right. a made-up story yeah or so this... these are like quasi-empirically grounded right yeah whereas I guess these they... ones are like a priori in some way yeah that's true yeah these are all like not i guess teleological is a little tricky it's kind of a posteriori but it it's easy you don't need a lot of data all you need to do is yeah. look at a tree just, and marvel you need it. to see yeah <laughs> Yeah. The bird sitting on the the hippo's back or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or or this video that my grandma sent me of a dog in Mexico that was trained to smell uh, like uh, like look for is like search and rescue dog you know mm-hmm. for like if there's people trapped in a building. And guess what? They took that dog to a church for some reason, and he started barking at the tabernacle that had the Eucharist in it because there's because <laughs> there's a body obviously yeah which obviously i love i love god that oh my god <laughs> yeah i love that not only does god exist but literally like catholic eucharistic theology is proven um it literally because of the dog too well, the, the dog, dog showed it yeah i love that the dog but, isn't just like there's food in there let me get at that <laughs> yeah well i mean hardly right when dog's not going to be too hungry for the little wafers i mean you never met my dog <laughs> Have you seen those videos of the the cats that like know not to step on the Quran? You should send your grandma that video. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! Wait, that's so good. I would buy that cats are Muslim. That that makes sense. I would buy. That. 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's a huge compliment, but in both directions. By Dogs the way, so I just want to make that absolutely clear. Cats are clear. Muslim. <laughs> yeah, That's... birds are Missouri synod. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that is a view endorsed by the Missouri synod. Lutheran. Yeah, they agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they sent me here to tell you all this. Right, because they don't know how to to podcast. Right, we're, we're <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I guess now, like, I don't want to talk about yet, like the like anti-apologetic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I, before I just like a brief, like, why do you like, what do you, what do you take from these arguments, Regina? Or like, what is your, because Riley is obviously very skeptical about them. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like a sort of philosopher's obligation to pay attention <laughs> to them, mm-hmm. but I don't find, I don't find them em- emotionally, like, I, you know. Like I, for instance, I think like Russell, which we read a bit of today, like really roundly defeats all of them in like, you know, a paragraph each. Disagree, but I'm excited to discuss. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I Um, think I disagree with that last statement too, but um, I I can't remember why. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's cringe, because he's a fedora nerd. Yeah, that's actually literally it. Yeah. (laughs) What a dork. Yeah. I mean, what do these arguments have going for them? I feel like. What I like about them is I think that they're not going to convince anyone. And I'd be really highly skeptical of anyone who is like uh, genuine, like actually converted on the basis of any one of these arguments or even the like combination of all of them. Um, Like it just it does seem like they lack a kind of sort of emotional, spiritual pool that like seems to be necessary for any serious kind of. Um, commitment to like religion and even like Christianity in particular like I think all of these arguments aren't going to get you anywhere close to like a Christian god for instance um like they'll maybe get you like the maximally great like uh, omni 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 god right but that's like far from any particular doctrine so um I think of them mostly as having value for the person who's already um committed to there being a a god and then this sort of exercise of like reflecting on the reasons behind your belief could be sort of like the exercise of just um you know like reflecting on uh reflecting on like the rational grounds of your faith maybe more than just sort of like trying to get you from a place of doubt to conviction so like and insofar as i feel like our, our rational faculties are something like that were given to us to use and that like using them in, in and of itself is sort of like a um I don't know a good thing at the very least right I think that's sort of like their purpose and like you know you look at someone like Aquinas say and like he was clearly just like such a big brained boy um, <laughs> that like this kind we're of we're so proud act- of him <laughs> yeah we're so proud of him over here in the Catholic circle <laughs> right <laughs> You know, it, it, it's just sort of like the exercise of his human, his like, you know, one might say like God given faculties or something like that. I might not put it so fervently like that, but like, I think, you know, these are things that are real special talents that these folks have. And so it's sort of like them using their um, rational faculties to sort of like maybe bolster even is too strong. I, you could say like bolster their face, but or to, otherwise I would just say like, reflect further or even like the process of like working out these arguments could itself be a sort of uh reverence or like even possibly a kind of worship i would say um 
And then maybe for us, reflecting on the arguments, like not creating them themselves, could be sort of seen in that light. Um, In the same way that, like, you know, I think we've had this kind of conversation before about, like, you know, reflecting on the reasons why I I love someone. Um, So, like, I love, say, my friends. um, And I might, like, think about all of the reasons I have to love my friends, not as a means of trying to, like, convince myself that I they are worthy of my love um but sort of as just like a let me think about like all of the wonderful things about you know so and so and you know using my sort of rational faculties to like bolster my love for them you know it was a, a thing a feeling or a commitment that I had prior to the like development of say like a rational argument for their being worthy of my love um but I think you know going through the kind of uh reasoning process can itself be like uh, kind of love. I don't know. That's, that's sort of like one thing no, that I think that, that's very is good. valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm I'm convinced. I, I came <laughs> in skeptical, but I mean, I think that is a really solid argument. Yeah, or like I hadn't thought of it that way. It's kind of like Simone Bay and her sums, you know, um, mm. but, but logic version. No, I why don't do think you, so. Why do you Wait, say can that? you say more? Can you say more about that? What is the Simone Bay thing? Well, she feels like she's she's doing math in that one in that one book. I forgot the name of it. And she's talking mm. about the, the sort of like meditative like focus that one experiences while doing doing when arithmetic. doing finding and, the value of X. Yeah, and she kind of conceives of it as 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 akin to prayer, but yeah, but she wouldn't say that we should like try to prove the existence of God. That's right. She would just be like, just yeah. vibe, and that's that's why I love her. Right, <laughs> just vibe. <laughs> Just vibe but, and but God will reveal himself. But I do feel like that's not... what that's like the case that Regina almost made because it seems like like Regina, you've kind of like decoupled any sort of like it's not like we're getting any sort of epistemic grounds mm-hmm. for the belief in God from these arguments. You're you're describing them as a kind of devotion. Like it's like all right, what, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Like tonight, I'm feeling a little ungrounded. Do I do a rosary? Do I like work out <laughs> the modal ontological argument? But these are paths. <laughs> these are just ways of of yeah. sort of orienting myself in my faith it's not like doing the right yeah. proves to you that God exists. Yeah. That's where it's like, it is an interesting, it's like different from any other kind of argument, perhaps in that like arguments generally are supposed to be like what persuades you. Like these are supposed right. to be persuasive tools. Right. Uh, and these ones, as I just like tried to cash them, are just like, well, there's not really going to persuade anyone, but right. like, um, you know, yeah. like is the epistemic situation of Aquinas versus just your average, yeah. you know, a person in a, in a church mm-hmm. who doesn't know any about any of this like is it different well i actually wonder like that's a good it's a great question like i wonder what sort of like what purpose they serve in terms of like holding us over in moments of doubt maybe mm, okay <laughs> you know i don't yeah. i generally don't know like this is i'm just thinking out loud right now but um like you know obviously there's all sorts of reasons to doubt god's existence like I'm sure we'll talk about the problem of evil being numero uno. Um, yeah. But you know, like perhaps this has never been true for me. But I just wonder if some sort of like at least one of the aims of these people in creating these arguments was to like, all right, you know, like I, I think some people have like this conception of like Christianity or like faith or whatever that like you know you go through periods of doubt and you know like it's okay to doubt things. You know, you'll come back around. And I just wonder if 
this is supposed to fill some sort of like hold you over kind of role where it's like, well, at least I can fall back on these logical arguments, even though I'm not being, I'm not in the vibes right now. Right. Um, I, I, they wouldn't be successful for me. And actually I think maybe they would be like problematic if like, we really do need to have some sort of like, in order to have a serious kind of like adult faith, you yeah. have to kind of go through the like, Oh no, like they're really, there really isn't a God or like maybe there really isn't a God. Yeah. And so it could sort of stifle that thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I still think you're, you're kind of robbing them of any sort of like epistemic juice. Um, yeah. But I mean, which is, I'm fine with that. Like, I think that's, that's just fine. Um, well, but so like, hmm, yeah, I guess like people engage with these arguments as if they're like, I mean, I don't know. Like Russell, for example. Uh, so I guess the question yeah, is. Yeah, move us like, along here. Yeah, or no, <laughs> like, does it matter? Like, if, sure, maybe like one purpose of the arguments is to, like, you know, tide over believers, but it seems like that the atheists really like the arguments too. <laughs> so that, may, I think that's why I feel like it's unlike Simone Bay's thing. And I think why I'm like suspicious because I just think, like, why must we? engage with the the haters if you will like bertrand russell right so yeah i guess what i yes because you know i was i follow some people on twitter who are like kind of doing similar podcasty stuff to us and I, one guy that i follow does a lot of like uh, apologetics arguey stuff and like you know he posted some flyer for there's going to be a debate i forget it's like on a podcast like just between like a guy who's like a baptist minister and a guy who's like an atheist and they're gonna debate does god exist and i feel like this is so this is foolish uh you know they this is what what should happen if you get an atheist and a christian you know they go to debate the atheist is like here's my arguments it's just russell but <laughs> different you know here's my arguments and then what the christian should say is uh their position should be i love you um that's the christian response to to an argument against uh, the existence of god i, I think that's it just that and like and, and basically and just like, like <laughs> veritas form is over yeah yeah very done no no more veritas form all you need is all all you need is love um, but I, really, is I feel like that's right though like um yeah i just feel like the the like debatey like ooh, but let me use my like yeah consider the modal ontological argument like i would love i mean right. love to see you know like a youtube video like you know, a YouTuber reacts to like the modal ontological argument converts to Islam, but like, <laughs> like that would be so rad. But you know, it's just that reminds me of this like sermon that was given once at the Missouri Lutheran Church. <laughs> Do you want to hear it? I can give it like in its entirety. I, oh my god, yes! <laughs> it wasn't like a sermon; it was just part of the sermon. Okay, okay. so there's this college professor. He's a philosophy professor and he says god isn't real and anyone who can prove that god is real will get an a in the class <laughs> and then a student comes and like he's like i think god is real and the professor is like nope nope sorry too bad and then the student is like i'll prove to you god is real oh wait no 
shit i got the story wrong he the professor says i know god isn't real because if he was then i wouldn't be able to break this egg like on the floor like god would prevent me from breaking this egg on the floor and the student says i'm gonna prevent you from breaking the egg on the floor and then the student gets up in front of class and he says dear god please give professor so and so a heart attack and kill him so he cannot drop the egg and therefore he will prove like it will prove that you are real and then the professor oh says God. class dismissed because he got owned so hard <laughs> wait what wait what? <laughs> okay so this started out as just the plot of god's not dead you know that yeah that yeah, yeah yeah and then it just went so wait why did he do class i want to go to this church i would have just dropped the egg yeah, I, know. yeah I, I don't know i remember being in church and like all the old people were like laughing and shit. And I was yeah. like, all the birds I don't were get chirping. it. Yeah, all, yeah, all the, bird, the birds, all the Lutheran birds were chirping. And I was like, wait a second. So, the, so the professor was converted because he was afraid that God was going to kill him. Yeah. And like, that's not right for the kid to like pray for his professor <laughs> to die. Like, yeah. that seems like an abuse of... Yeah. yeah. So, that's really um, funny. That's so But that, I mean, that I feel like maybe one of the morals of the story there is that emotions are going to be much more convincing than anything else. Yeah. You know, like maybe. the person, yeah. you know, who's like atheist, who's like, you know, skiing in the remote area and then avalanche comes, you know, they're like on their knees, like, please, if I just survive this, whatever. Uh, Wait, I just thought of a joke. Actually, I don't want to mean. I don't mean this to be just joke time. Okay, I'll tell. It's it's super fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. This guy was on a date, and or he was going to a date. He was in the car, and he was like desperately trying to find parking. And it's like a, a it's a full parking lot. He's been circling for hours. He's like at this point running late, and he's worried his date is gonna just like think he's been you know stood her up or something. And he you know is praying in his car, and he's like, God, please, like if you just um if you just you know let me have a parking spot i i swear i'll just go to i'll go to church every day i'll go to i'll be the best kind of christian and you know as he kind of pulls around one of the lanes there's a parking spot and the guy goes oh never mind god i found one that's classic that's very good that that is a classic you know i love that i I think emotions are much more important though and i think that's why all of these arguments kind of fall flat for most people right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah okay so this actually does strike me as a good segue into like the you know what are the what are the problems right like so maybe you maybe you're listening to this maybe you're at home maybe you're doing the dishes and you're thinking my god that (laughs) mode ontological argument sounds really good um maybe i believe it well here's the thing so um the main i guess the biggest problem with omnitheism like with the omni god is the problem of evil which is just why would there be evil in mm-hmm. in a world that is all created by an all good guy? Like you know, why is like your Sim City or like roller coaster <laughs> tycoon or whatever like constantly involving civilian deaths? It's because you're horrible, and you know, like we make we make this kind of shit because it's fun and it's funny to watch the little computer people die. And so you know, but God's not supposed to be like that. God's supposed to be a benevolent creator. He should have made a perfectly harmonious world. Um, where not only does murder not happen, but like cancer shouldn't exist, lions shouldn't eat sheep, you know, none of that. Um, and that's seemingly inconsistent with a God is all good, all powerful, and all knowing. He should know how to prevent the evil and want to do it and be able to do it. Um, so that's like the main, I think that's probably the most persistent one throughout time. Um, and 
like so i guess i'll give a brief like explanation of of so we read for this russell why i'm not a christian um which is bertrand russell's very fedora tipper very like i mean you could just like all of new atheism and every argument like all of daniel dennett all of richard dawkins all of it is contained within this lecture you don't need to engage with any of that shit <laughs> <laughs> it's all already just in this very short lecture pretty much um and he kind of like you know points out problems with like say the the uh, cosmological argument like it doesn't just because there's an unmoved mover it doesn't secure you any sort of good god um and same with the ontological argument like you can imagine any sort of like mathematically perfect object you want it doesn't secure you the goods of a god that we might want um and further like you know with especially with the ontological argument just because you can imagine something doesn't mean it's real which seems like a very obvious objection but um it is the objection to it um and he does like a argument against uh the argument from design or like teleological arguments too just again kind of pointing out like the problem of evil is a problem for teleological arguments too because it's just as easily as you can find the beauty in a tree you know you're staying in the forest staring at this beautiful tree there's like a bird that lands in the tree and then like a hawk comes and eats the bird and like the blood splatters on your face and you know you just like my god this is horrific right uh this is you know it it, it kind of cuts in both directions um and so i guess <laughs> well what now <laughs> what now christians <laughs> no like what, <laughs> what do i like what do you regina what do you make of these of these kinds of arguments and riley i want to know why well, you, it was so bad I, I, you know, because I'm like not a fan of the cosmological argument. I did think it was like interesting and sort of pithy response to the 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 cosmological one, where it was like, well, you know, if there could be anything with, without a cause, it like might as well just be the world. The right. world was just the uncaused thing, and yeah. we didn't. It, it's not necessarily God. Um, I, I feel like there's more to say there, but. Um, I, I like out, off the cuff I was like yeah I mean like why not just like some uncaused substance like just abstract substance that doesn't have any really like godlike properties um and so I just I, I don't know I like wasn't bothered by that like insofar as like I, I mean I felt like that was a fine response um I feel like I can't exactly remember the argument from design stuff, um, but you we're know, just he, he designed. I mean, that's like the easy one. Like we're poorly designed. Yeah. yeah I, like if we were designed, whoever did it, did a bad job. You know, <laughs> that's kind like of like humans were poorly designed. In yeah. Particular. And just the world. I or mean, I have a, I have a passage maybe. Uh, yeah. Go for it. When you come to look into this argument from design, it is a most astonishing thing that people can believe that this world with all the things that, are in it with all its defects should really be the best that omnipotence and omniscience have been able to produce in millions of years i really cannot believe it do you think that if you were granted omnipotence and omniscience in millions of years in which to perfect your world you could produce nothing better than the ku klux klan or the fascists end quote yeah right <laughs> and like sure point taken he's cooking, he's cooking. but he's just like I, my gripe with it i think that he has like good points but he's just too like gotcha with it like yeah. my my issue is that he's writing in like the same style of c.s lewis whom i hate yes <laughs> <And> yes <laughs> they're like both doing the same thing and i just yes. find it like annoying and like gauche yeah no i mean i do too i do too yeah was it there also that he like he quoted i don't know who it was like voltaire or something 
and he says something like it's so ridiculous to say that the the nose was designed to hold spectacles or whatever <laughs> right um like obviously we've just gotten the order of causality in the it, wrong um right. so i mean so like, yeah these kinds i of mean it that seems sort of like the ku klux klan thing that seems more like the problem of evil like in in, in less like the problem of design like if if we are actually looking at like these horrible groups um like the problem with them is not that they're poorly designed the problem with them is that they're evil um and right. like you know the human body is like really well designed or like really mm -hmm. interest intricately designed even if it has its failings like i don't think i felt as though in some of the articles like his um his arguments were like repeated for different purposes. Like I feel like I saw versions of the Euthyphro dilemma in a couple of different spots where he's like, is it good because God said so, or is God saying so because it's good. And like, if yeah. it's the former, then God is uh, not ultimately like kind of the source. And if it's the latter, then God is unnecessary. Or I forget exactly how it goes, but um, yeah, you know, and so I, I felt like as though he was trying to use some counter arguments in places that were missing the target, I guess. I see. So maybe yeah. I would hope I would like to suggest yeah. that the the Ku Klux Klan is a strong uh, objection as the problem of evil goes, and less strong against the like design point, the intelligent design mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. But I think the ethos. So like, right. So the way that somebody like Dawkins, for example, would expand on this, and it, I mean it's a trivial expansion in my opinion, but just like. Evolution makes all sorts of like errors, right? Like there's all sort like I don't know vestigial limbs or like uh, mm -hmm. like pre preventable like I don't know uh, disease, for example, right? You'd think that if you were designing a world, uh, you wouldn't have disease be quite so so horrible or like. Um, but then it's like again, I feel like why does pain design birth right? Although that why was Eve's design... fault. Yeah, that was Eve's fault. Ugh. Right. Um. Why does design have to be tethered to uh, like some sort of like goodness? I guess because of omnibenevolence. Oh sure. So like yeah. I'm just like I'm just wondering. Maybe this gets back to like <laughs> Riley's like why benevolent <laughs> point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, like what if we could just espouse that or like infer from like the design of the universe that there was an intelligent designer. Like it could yeah. be like a mad scientist, yes. uh, like not a benevolent one, but like, it seems right. like, look at, like this comes crazy design stuff going on here. Right. Like look at the ways trees are created. Look at the, like the circulatory system. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I this is know. what simulation argument people are basically saying, you know, people who think that the whole world is a simulation, this kind of like Nick Bostrom. Oh yeah. Style thing. This is what they think. And this is not different. They just, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's just um, uh, old wine and new bottles, but like, but with the mm -hmm. crucial addition that they don't say that he's that the designer is omnibenevolent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I I will say the the thing that Bertrand Russell wrote that I found like the most compelling um, is he's talking about how like you know, all of this earlier stuff he was talking about, about like intelligent design is just to like, you know, get you to the point of believing in a God, but to be a Christian, you have to believe that like Christ has upstanding, like perfect moral character. Yeah. And then he writes like, uh, 
there is one very serious defect to my mind in Christ's moral character, and that is that he believed in hell. I do not myself feel mm. that any person who is really profoundly humane can believe in everlasting punishment. And that's when I was like, damn, I've been gotched. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. I think that is actually like a very compelling argument and then i like wrote a note immediately that was like how does he know and then the next line he like quotes the gospels yeah. and i was like shit yeah i got i got gotched yeah. um i don't know yeah just another thought or yes i think that's right um because that's the way that he talks about it. he's like all right ne let's never mind this philosopher bullshit why mm -hmm. why am i not a christian specifically um this is my favorite book <laughs> so there's the instance of the gatorine gatorini swine where it certainly was not very kind to the pigs to put the devils into them and make them rush down the hill into the sea. You must remember that he was omnipotent, and he could have made the devils simply go away, but he chose to send them, them into the pigs. Which I, I love that quote. It's so funny. Yeah, it, but he just doesn't get it. It's in like... Matthew's gospel. There's a woman who's possessed by a demon, and God, or well, Jesus pulls all of the demons out of her and puts them into pigs, and the pigs just send it off a cliff. Um, <laughs> I love Wait, that I, that's like my that's like okay i i feel like the hell thing can be uh made distinct from the like the pig thing because i felt sure. really bad for the pigs like i was like yeah like god should not have done that to those pigs like yeah. pigs are so smart um well yeah but it's you know the people are gonna witness the pigs you know, going off the cliff. And this is much more emotional than if the woman was just, you know. That's true. Her demons were just evaporated. Right. Yeah, people you would know, be like left with this like, oh my God, like. What imagery? It, I mean, you guys are really struck by it. You're really yeah. upset. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> there you go. It's all right. for the story, as I said earlier. Right. Actually, that's like a really interesting point because like, I feel like there's a, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. And it, it's like, you know, when Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. Yeah. Lazarus. I think it's, it's either that one or like the one with the little girl or the little boy. Ooh. I don't remember. Someone is like, made to rise again right yeah and everyone's like they're dead they're inside mm -hmm. and jesus has come along like it's too late right like the guy yeah. already died and everyone's upset and crying and like god or jesus is like it's okay like he's just asleep and like you know yeah. sort of gives them a reason to like believe oh like maybe he's not dead and like goes in and like says you know right the the story is that like the kid or lazarus whoever it was was risen from the dead um yeah. And like I like these sort of ways in which it seems like some of these quirks, like saying that comment, like don't worry, like he's just asleep, or like putting it into the pigs instead of just making it evaporate, was yeah. for the purpose of people having some grounds to like take this seriously, right? Like, um, instead of just like you know, from our perspective, so far away, like if that really happened, it would really help to have some pigs run off the cliff to believe that they're the gone. Fanfare. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause maybe the woman was faking it, you know, yeah. if right. the devils get put into the pigs, the pigs can't fake it. Yeah. <laughs> the poor deers. Yeah. 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 I mean, Jesus was all about, he was, he was messy. He was all about the, the, the pomp and circumstance. Like mm -hmm. I saw somebody in a tweet say like, like it's very dramatic to tell everybody at the ta dinner table like one of you is going to betray me tonight and then not mm -hmm. say who it is <laughs> um, and just like leave it at that what a showman tuck in after that just keep <laughs> <laughs> like, stay tuned to yeah, find so, out who yeah um 
But like, so as far as like the problem of evil and the existence of hell thing. Yeah. In my mind, I wonder what you guys think of this. Like in my mind, they they can be like considered almost different problems. And like, I think I have a really big problem with the existence of evil. I have such a big problem with it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm against it. I am against it too. Super against it. Evil is bad. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like my hot take. Yeah. But, like, I think also that maybe the existence of hell um, can be placated to some degree if hell is a place that we choose to go um, instead of it being something, like, strictly inflicted upon people. And it's unfortunate because all of the quotes are very, like, ye shall be damned or whatever. Like, it doesn't <laughs> right, feel right. very choosy. <laughs> right. So, like, you know, I don't know how how true to the orthodox this really is. But, like, if hell is a place that we choose to go, like, the invitation to, like, be, you know, in the kingdom of heaven or whatever is always extended to us. Um, but, you know, it's for what our own corrupted, you know, choosing that we decide to um, be in, like, the absence of God or whatever. It's supposing that's hell. Um, then I can get on board with hell. <laughs> Right. I can get on board with hell, but not evil. Yeah. 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 Like Simone Vey's like uh sin as just like infinite distance from God rather than, you know, a location. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm a universalist, so I don't I think everybody's saved, even though I guess nobody is. I have an annoying thing about that, obviously, but I don't I truly don't believe in hell. Um and I also don't think that that's like the best interpretation of the like the best philosophical work we can do with the Gospels. Um, but that's perhaps an argument for another time. Uh, well, I guess maybe sort of like a lot of people do say like hell is inconsistent with the omnis too, but not if you allow like a free will clause, you know, which you which is basically what you're describing. Maybe. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. I guess I, the one thing I'll say is I do disagree with Russell about, I think he's, he, his reading of the gospels is like, um, like a dumb person. Um, like that's my issue with it is it's very like, like this is a story about like a, a human being, right? This is orthodox, right? Fully human, fully God. Um, and like, it's a story about like, and in that fully humanness, right? There's a mix of, you know, there's perhaps some like divine perfection. There's also some, you know, like, I guess it's unorthodox to say that Jesus sinned, but whatever. I don't think that's a problem. I would, I don't think that's like, I think it's perfectly fine to say Jesus might have sinned. He was fully human. Um, And so like, and regardless of like the historical circumstances or the historical truth of that, like the story isn't about like you don't read it and go like, oh, I guess I'll be just like him and go around yelling at people and talking about damnation. It's kind of like, the full narrative taken together is the, the the like redemptive story it's trying to tell. Um, it's you know one about like enacting the kind of love that is preached, like enacting through sacrifice the kind of love that Jesus is preaching all up until that point. And so you kind of have to take like he's doing the same stupid thing that like fundies do, where they just take a random Bible verse and then talk about it as though it can stand right. alone. He's doing that too, mm-hmm. just in reverse. Um, so I think he's like a childishly bad reader of the Gospels um, in that part. Um, and it's just like an eye roll. Like, I mean, I, I love Russell because he's funny because, yeah, he's, and, you know, he, the way he writes is uh, like a joke. But but um, I really think, yeah, it was just like a very dumb, dumb guy reading of it. 
Yeah, like the quotes seemed a little cherry picked. And, right. You know, didn't bring any context to yeah. it. Yeah, it, it didn't. So and true. The, the context, the narrative is itself the good, um, not mm-hmm. necessarily just like random things Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does require some like hermeneutic legwork on our part, but that's fine. That's that's what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like there was um, something in there that uh, I I had a little bit of like I don't know, maybe like an immature thought. If if um, you know Bertrand Russell can be immature, then I can too. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it, maybe this, I can't remember if it was in, in the reading or if this was like just reflecting on some of the arguments about like, well, logically God must exist then. Like the logic says like if it's, you know, an omni, the, 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 the all, um, you know, whatever, the maximally great being like necessarily must exist in the same way that like, you know, two plus two equals four necessarily. Um, like my thought was like, you know, against as like kind of sort of a underdeveloped, immature objection was like, what if, <laughs> what if logic isn't ruler though? Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. so, okay. Yeah. Logically God must exist. Like that, suppose the argument is just sound, like it's just like, logically it must exist. God must exist. Um, like what if the universe and it's like the, the sort of tenets in it doesn't, don't, they don't follow this sort of like logic. Like we live in this chaotic universe where right. um, logic isn't ruler. Like what is the response there? I guess the response is something like you can't even make that argument yeah. if logic is, you know, like if there is no principle of sufficient reason, for instance, like you can't even use yeah. the, the thought that like logic doesn't exist. Therefore, these arguments don't work but like okay i'll take that too like it still may be the case though right yeah i think that's that's fine i guess what they would say is like okay you've chosen to exit the forum then yeah like and that's i don't i that's why i was saying earlier that like the christian versus atheist debate that's what it should be like Mm -hmm. i actually do right you just exit the forum like Mm -hmm. because it's not about like if you truly believe in like in god right whatever whatever you want to cash that out as not even as the omnis because that's too confining like if you truly believe in god you have to take it beyond like Mm -hmm. beyond like what our reason can really take us to um i really i don't see why that wouldn't just be the case like there's like a i think this is actually the kind of this is the wisdom of the book of job um i love that oh i love this book so much you know he's so God, you know, takes away all of his stuff. He kills his family. He destroys his his homestead, just destroys everything. And the whole, most of the book is his friends giving him reasons. Like, look, it's probably because you didn't do the right sacrifices because you sinned in this way because, you know, the friends are just like theologizing, trying to figure out like, okay, what did you do that God did this to you? At the end, Job goes before God and asks him, you know, basically, why did you do this? And Job says, or God, God's response is like, do you know where the clouds come from? Do you know where goats are birthed? And Job's like, no. And and but why did you kill my family? And God's like, do you know how the mountains were made? And he's just like, no, this is mm-hmm. not for you. Um, you don't get to know this stuff. I think, yeah, that's like that sounds maybe anti-intellectual, but I actually think it's the deep wisdom of <laughs> of like, yeah, that's what you got to do. Like, you got to have that Jobian um, submission. If you want to be mm-hmm. serious about about God, 
yeah, I think directly answering the questions would be to there, there is no, you've, you've already gotten yourself out on the wrong foot. If those are the questions you're asking. Yeah. Well, does it matter? Does it matter? <laughs> does it matter? <laughs> does any of it matter? Well, I don't, this isn't, sorry, this doesn't get her directly answered. The question. That's fine. How, I how, feel like how when, Yahweh when, of you? <laughs> I just remembered there's this uh, article by like Graham Priest. I forget what it's called, but um, he's trying to like think about the ways in which log- logic is limited. And he like is, he, you know, he also like, wow, incredible philosopher, but like does, logic and does like buddhisty things and he's like kind of reflecting on this one buddhist um saying about like how um or story rather about like you know a fire that has been extinguished and you know like the person comes to like where the fire used to be and asks you know like where where's the fire like did it go north did it go south did it go east did it go west and like all of like the exhausted reason or like the exhausted possible answers seem to be like None of them seem to be true. It's not any of these options that we have available for answering the question. If those are the grounds for answering it at all, you know, like you've already gotten yourself on the wrong foot. Like it's not in any, it didn't go anywhere. It has been extinguished. Like you've not considered all the possible answers. If you're going to like, just think in this, the, like the limited logics that you've, you have available to you. And I think that's sort of like (laughs) where we get caught up with these sorts of arguments as well. It's like, this is not it ultimately right. right i like that yeah it's it's mystery embracing uh, sure. that's like my take yeah i mean i don't know what the does it matter does what matter i'm not sure um well i guess the first is, question what's the it? yeah yeah so the first question is like does having some sort of stable conception of god and god's existence is that necessary for maintaining a kind of enchantment so again like i put it at the beginning of this like you know misenchantments right this is like the mccara her view that we're operating off of it's like for our podcast here is that we're like in a world that has been like people are enchanted by you know capitalism basically in a myriad different ways um and this is like bad presumably because and one way of looking at his view is that it's bad because there might be a right way of being enchanted right and if you are if you are religious or if you're Catholic, like he is, like you might think the right way to be enchanted is going to be in line with like the sacraments, like having like a conception of a sacred life that is mediated by the practice of religion, specifically in the Christian way. That's a good, that's what it is to have the good life, you know, and we're failing to have the good life in some sense by doing all of this, like misenchanted stuff by like worshiping our managers as the priestly class um, and and money as our god, um, and I wonder whether we can salvage because I mean this is this is honestly kind of self serving right because I don't believe in like a stable conception of of, of a god. Um, although I don't know, once we start getting a little into like the, I do love Job and I do love embracing the mystery. So, um, so I don't like yeah, I'm firmly atheist anymore. But regardless, I don't have like the kind of conception of a god that it seems you might need to like have like good enchantment or something right well 
And you've yeah. been reading him again recently. Hell yeah. I don't have my book in here, but yeah, I did. Two thoughts. One, I think McCarraher would say, yes, you do need God. But I think you just need some stable referent or like, you know, belief system. But I think that the reason, yeah, that mammon or capitalism doesn't work is because it is like fundamentally unstable and like self-serving in a way that doesn't really have room for i don't know um like not even just enchantment but just like i don't i guess i could see someone being like a humanist or having like or like a pagan or something uh and being able to be enchanted because paganism isn't or like i don't know another belief system doesn't like seek to propagate itself in the same way that capitalism does if that does that make sense yeah it's just too selfish and like yeah oh unhealthy worship of autonomy like our like our right-wing friends like one way of thinking about the question like does it matter is like you know what kinds of like i feel like maybe this is not like the McCarrer hair, obviously, if he's Catholic or whatever, but um, it seems like not in principle impossible for like, it doesn't seem like you have to be Christian in order to experience enchantment. Um, so there are yeah. other like systems of belief or whatever you want to call it, like that um, can like uh, convey this sort of, I don't know, enchantment, convey enchantment. And so, like, I, I guess, like, one way of thinking of, the, like, what are the limits on, like, which views can, like, usher in this enchantment? And, like, can the views of, like, the crazy, you know, patriot nationalists do that? Can the views of, um, you know, like, what what is the limit here? Like, can I just, like, love or, or like, I guess I think of the um, sort of Peter Singer utilitarian atheist sort of view, like, can just, like, pleasure and pain sort of be my project like my humanist project is oriented around like increasing pleasure and decreasing pain can that like serve itself as a, a, a living in a world that is enchanted like a, a strong fervent commitment to the like we really like are, we experience a solidarity with other sentient beings and like in that way like have a sort of community around it that like is um really like our whole point of existence is to like celebrate and like perpetuate our our like pleasure uh, i don't know seeking abilities yeah. and like minimizing our pain experiences i don't know it, like i guess i'm curious about like what mccarraher would say about that like what are the limits here like yeah. do you have to believe in some sort of like deity um yeah. or what i don't know i mean to speak to the utilitarian point like i do think i, I said this on the phone earlier but like i think you have like it's he doesn't put it in these words this is me sort of like transposing onto McCara, but it's, he seems to have like a basically like eudaimonist view of the good life, like a kind of Aristotelian, like there's virtues and, and ways that we ought to be cultivating ourselves. Again, he doesn't say this explicitly, but it seems to me that like the problem with capitalism as a system of enchantment is that it orients us in a bad way for like the reasons that Riley's saying, like it's too self-serving, it's too self like defeating it's not like it doesn't like cultivate a kind of wholeness in yourself so you might just think yeah i mean even if utilitarianism is tr like a good 
thing, like it's good to cause pleasure and decrease pain, like you the it's not sufficient for enchantment insofar as people often point out, like act utilitarianism has you running mm-hmm. all over the place, donating to charities, making as much money in the hedge fund as you can before donating all of that. And that's just not gonna lead to like a well-lived life. Um and something like our like I say he's a eudaimonist, but not in the traditional Aristotelian sense. He's like, it seems like he wants to say like the sacraments are the substance of the good life. Like, yeah. Is that that's fair, Riley? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and I think that there has to be like some I don't know, I guess I've been thinking about, and maybe this isn't relevant, but about uh like mysticism and uh like the sense of of oneness and i i think that he does think that you can only like really fully accomplish that through like a type of sacrament like you can't just be like oh me and like all of the other marvel fans are watching the same movie (laughs) Um, (laughs) and therefore we are in like we are having this like transcendent you know experience together that's not gonna cut it Mm -hmm. yeah um and I'm not really sure why that is for him, except maybe, I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not. Maybe he would. I don't know. He would. Sir, <laughs> I don't. Just just based on his writing style, I know. Like you can tell would, that he, that man has never seen Thor. No, and if he did, he'd hate it and hate yeah. everybody who enjoyed it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's interesting that I feel like in reflecting on like the oneness thing. I feel like some of the, the experiences of that like do happen. I've actually don't watch. I've never really watched Marvel, but like, you know, it happens in like the experience of oneness happens in experiences like that. Like you're all at a concert and you're all like belting out the same song. Like, well, like this amazing performer is like on stage, you know, doing crazy things. And it's just like it is like a weirdly like worldly for lack of a better world uh, word experience like i often feel like it is like a sharing of very worldly things that like uh brings that sort of sense of community and my sense and like lorenzo you probably could speak more to it like my sense is that a lot of like the human like atheist human humanists sort of point to that and be like look all we need is like baseball and like concerts and like I don't know, coffee <laughs> to to get on in the world and to like to experience the the enchantment or whatever. Um yeah. or like the the wonders of the world. Right. Um and I don't know. I, I find know okay. That. I find this detestable. And here there's two reasons. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So the first reason is like um those those are just activities of mere enjoyment, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just it's just for fun. Um and I think like one, in a very animal sense, we need like ritual like we really need like it's like going through the motions doing something like somewhere between meditative and mystical and like ecstatic you know like there's something else that's brought about um you get some ritual i guess in concerts right like i guess paying the ticket and then everybody cheering for the encore it's a pretty consistent feature of it but it's not quite the same i mean maybe you could get close but that's the second point or the second problem that i have which is that there's not like I really think like the doctrine and scripture and like teachings are really important to the practice of uh, like, it fills a different role. Like I, I go to church, I go to a lot of concerts, very different things. And like, 
I think like the, nobody on stage at a at a concert, unless you're at a Jesus concert, is like you know looking at you, asking you to pick up your cross, you know, like take you know like and follow Jesus that way. And that's just such a deeper like what a deeper thing to get at like psychologically in somebody to like or like you know um, knowing that you're loved you know in spite of your your failings and that sort of in this really deep sense yeah people i've been to some concerts where the the you know uh main person is like like the lead singer is likes to do a little woke liberal thing where they're like yeah and everyone in here you're so loved you're all so good <laughs> it's just not the same it feels it feels fake it's because it's not like a mm -hmm. yeah i have some thoughts which is that like well one i want to uh plug that mccarraher does say that there is like a lot what is he oh, i can't remember the exact term he uses but he he talks about how he like loves material items or he says like the, like the earth is full of like sensuous goods that are meant to be enjoyed and he's not saying like we shouldn't do this he's saying like that's good and then i was thinking about how like maybe it's okay for everyone to like watch a marvel movie and enjoy it but it's when you like label yourself like a marvel fan that this is like problematic it's something about like the self-reflective like labeling because it's like a type of branding and that's what he really hates and then i was thinking about lorenzo when you were speaking about like the concert it, it's something about like the i think that this might also be related to like what we were talking about in the simone Ve episode with like impersonality like that's like there seems to be an important component of like impersonality um that i think mccarraher is like like structure of feeling if you will also depends on because it's like the self-reflective like i am a marvel fan or like right. i am a taylor swift listener that's like takes you out of the you know the transcendent impersonality of being just like a, a group yeah or like a part of this mystic oneness right as just like pure subject in communion yeah. with other mm -hmm. subjects who are yeah and who are worthy of love for that specific reason and not because they are fellow taylor swift fans or something like that swifties if you will yes <laughs> see i feel like i don't need to literally believe in like in the omni god or anything similar to get that because i guess because i do have i have like a eudaimonist kind of view and that, like about you know like the good life and i think like I have the, I guess the belief that Christianity gets at that, like at my like humanist view about like, you know, structuring your life around love the best. Um, and so I, like I follow McCarraher that in, in all of that, even if I don't like literally believe in the God planting God proves exists. Um, what I, I'm like, what, um, I feel like the people who like put forward these like arguments will ask you like, why do you think we should live our lives in accordance with love? Or like, why should that be our um, yeah. main objective here? Yeah. Or do you think it's just for you? Like, I mean, could you just take a, like, I have a eudaimonist perspective on this and yeah. you may have a different view. 
Yeah, I guess I'm I okay. Have, you're okay. Yeah, I have like kind of like psycho psychological views about this. Like, I think people mm. just people need love. Like, that's the that's the thing that everybody's dying to have. Um, and so, like, a doctrine that's built around it is is just good. Um, it gets it gets at that at that need at the hole that we all the um, <laughs> the god shaped hole the god shaped <laughs> hole that we all have. Well, it strikes me that you kind of almost have like a, what is it, the teleological view where you're just like, I just feel that this is right. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like, I do. No, I do. Which I, I think do. is is fair. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, duh, of course. What else would it be? Right. Marvel movies? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... I mean, I think that resonance, yeah, is a really important component in, in as far as principles for guiding your life. Like... Um, yeah, we're all wounded animals and orienting ourselves around like a wounded God, you know, I think is, is deeply affirming and liberating. I think that's my, to put it really shortly. So you feel like you don't need the big other, that yes. the thing that God, but do you feel yes, like that's right? Well, you... so this is, yeah. So I'm pulling this, I'm pulling this from, from Zizek slash Chesterton collab um which is like yeah his 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 theology Zizek's like atheist theology is um which by the way um just publicly denouncing the compact mag article that he wrote about trans people don't like that but that was a real a real l for him um but anyway his theology is good and his view is is um like basically that uh like you know, he, he's a Lacanian. And so he thinks that we all have like, uh, like uh, we're confronted with the mm -hmm. other constantly in our lives. Right. And the, the anxiety of not knowing what the other is asking for from us. Um, and through the, what Christianity kind of simulates for us or like the script that it runs for us is by taking that ultimate other, which is God and making him incarnate in a guy. And then that guy dies for us. You know, it's kind of like a story of the reduction of the big other into kind of like just a human, something in the human world. It's just a fellow human who explains, you know, like, oh, don't worry. Like, Job is there. Why did this happen? What's going on? What's, you know, and the answer, the answer is just love each other, right? Um, and, and like live, live in love and recognize the sacrifice that that requires. And that's it. Like, that's the answer. Um, and in doing that, it kind of kills the, there's nothing else that the other is asking for. You don't need him anymore, you know? Um, and so that's, that's but, why he reads it as an atheist. That's what Zizek reads Christianity as, as essentially atheist. Yeah. I, I wonder if like the big other though has actually been done away with, uh, at least for. No, we always have to do it. Every, it's like a practice. We always have to do away with the big other? Yeah, it's like a constant practice to, because that's like the wound, right? That's the, 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 you know, the wound that we all carry is like this, this anxiety of the other. And so like the, um, like it's a practice, you know, like love is a practice. It's not something that you just like, oh yeah, I read the gospels. Now I'm, now I'm cured. And like, I read some, I read some Lacan. Now I'm cured. That would be crazy. Probably end up more deranged after so, that. But like, but can we get, a, can get, can we get away from the big other? I don't like, I don't know. That's a, that's like a pretty big, I don't know. That's like a psychological almost an empirical question yeah but i do think that one can sort of like 
soothe that or like quell that anxiety answer or answer that anxiety perhaps uh through love um and this this is the arc the sort of like dialectical process that is illustrated in the gospels maybe this is like not right or like i'm i'm missing something but like is it is it even coherent to say like is it not the case that love is now the big other yeah i think that's not quite right that's not coherent so like what's wrong with that Uh, because it's not a um it's not an other like i think this is a very like specific Mm -hmm. psychological like i'm looking at you on the screen i know that you're a person and you're thinking Mm -hmm. things you know and this is we do this with god like people like the same way that like okay what if i like text you and then you don't text me back for like two days and maybe during those two days i'm feeling like is she mad at me what's going on what did i say Mm -hmm. did i say something stupid the last time we talked all right suppose that you feel like that Mm -hmm. similar thing happens when people do a similar thing when like oh like you know i got sick and i had to you know like i was lost all my money to pay for it like why did god do this to me right Mm -hmm. similar sort of anxious reaction to the um you know something that happened because you're like personifying the universe into god um and then demanding of god the same explanation that you would from a friend who slighted you it's actually christianity is all about a healing anxious attachment style that's, what, that's actually oh, what it is. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. so Why do you think that's horrible, Riley? No, it's just like so. Like, no, I think it's like right, but it's just like so. Uh, I don't know, self helpy. I guess or it's I know, just yeah. like a I horrible don't, I don't thing think to that's say. Literally yeah. True. yeah. No, of course, of course. Um, that's the caricature version of my own view. Yeah, I do like that. I do like when Zizek says uh, Christ is already here when the believers form an emancipatory collective. I, I was like, that. let's go. Let's fucking yeah. go. Yeah, that's, that was sick. Know, that's my shit. Zizek, yeah. like yeah. air horns in the background. Like, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. tight. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so that's why it's it's not just about that, right? Like, it's about the liberation that's possible through but in eliminating the anxiety of the abyss of the other's desire you free yourself to you know this emancipatory uh way of being in the world yes once you do away with as um, he says the commercial affair who pays for what and so on <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna do a shishak impression because yeah. i can't no, that, was, that was so just good the way he said who yeah. pays for what and so on i was like so true that's so, so true. i love that like substitutionary atonement uh, yeah people are watching that going like ah. <laughs> yeah we're referencing uh the he, he talks about this in this is for the listeners in in monstrosity of christ but he's he presents this view in like subtle easier language um in uh the uh herbert's guide to ideology documentary and we, we will link yeah uh, we'll link that yeah when i was watching it uh <laughs> i was like watching the video and uh my boyfriend was in the room and he couldn't like see the screen and he was just like what are these like background noises and oh. i had to like explain that it was like interspersed is that willem dafoe yeah like, yeah 
Jesus. Yeah. And then like he's in the dirt field. It's a good video. Everyone should watch it. It's it's very funny to me. Yeah, I love I thought it. it was very funny. That was like transformational for me. Like I watched that video and I watched that video in like sophomore or junior year of college and I tried to I saw the whole documentary and that that part of the documentary stuck out to me and I tried to get Eleanor to let me write uh, my existentialism paper on why Christianity was actually atheist and she didn't let me do that. That's right. I very distinctly remember this. Yeah, she was like, mm, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I bet it. Yeah, you know, she was. She was afraid of my power. It would have. Yeah, I would have transformed her possibly. I would have had like one source. <laughs> she, like the <laughs> like you're like, like my excitement videos. You're like I just know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's how that's how the a- academy should be. We should move away from having to cite everything. Right. Like back in the day, like a hundred years ago, you could just write a book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I yeah, think you just do it. There's like a footnote, and then the footnote just says, "I thought of this." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, technically, Zizek thought of it, but <laughs> right. I perfected it." <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? It's God, God real. <laughs> I, didn't I guess it do doesn't matter. New atheism for Christians. Oh yeah, right. What is I don't it? know. I don't have an answer. I don't know. How is it not just C.S. Lewis? This is my. It's just not. That's offensive yeah. to me. Actually, I'm gonna yeah. just leave okay. the Zoom. <laughs> um, I don't know. All right. I, I don't have any further thoughts personally. Yeah. I think we solved it, actually. I, I do. I mean, I think I solved it. This is my, this is yeah, my, you my vanity. My you vanity. Well, you're assigning yourself like the solver thing, so you're misenchanted because ah. you're. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, got him. I know. Yeah. I do need to just embrace the mystery, though. That is really the. That actually that's is always where so I true. feel like that's always where it lands for me. I'm like, it's a mystery. We just gotta live it. Yeah stop writing you know your little proofs don't do that yeah yeah just take a walk go go look at some wildflowers yeah touch grass yeah yeah i mean that's the catholic church has known this for a long time that's why they call them like mysteries you know the mystery Mm -hmm. of faith and stuff yeah because why because they don't know why are we doing it it doesn't matter still haven't figured it out so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) not worried about it though we got our best guys on the on the job though (laughs) right no i really okay this is something i think i do think there's a kind of okay so horseshoe theory about politics is stupid and wrong um but about theism and atheism (laughs) i actually think you get you get some some quirky negative theology or some like jesuit theology far enough you get some extreme like not stupid new atheism but like camusian atheism and yeah, you get them. You, they start. They start getting real. You close. get Zizek. You get Zizek right in the middle. Yeah. Well, what's on the the opposite? The up here, the other, like in the, the m- center of the horseshoe. Agnostics, I guess. Damn. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. We solved that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't so hard. What did that take? Like an hour and a half. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, thank you yeah. for coming on our pod yeah thanks that was again. fun first I guest was, I, I really enjoyed it it was I a fun it. time <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. bye mm-hmm.
Oh, you know what we forgot? Hmm. Um, oh, we didn't say see you in heaven. Put that at the end. I'll see you in heaven, Riley. See you in heaven. Cool. cool. Right. cool, cool, cool. <laughs>